Knowledge is power, and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths, and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White, and this is The Science of Motherhood. Hello, and welcome to episode 86 of The Science of Motherhood. If you have not listened to episode 84, I encourage you to jet back over, pause this one, jet back over to 84, because this is the second part of my discussion with the lovely Emma Watson, not the one from Harry Potter. <laughs> The lovely founder, midwife, birth educator from Seasons of Birth. It is none other than the lovely Emma Watson who resides here in Tasmania with me. In episode 84, we were covering family-centered C-sections and I guess, you know, how to advocate for yourself and looking at that preparation before the C-section, what you can be doing during the C-section. We also have a wonderful checklist that we have popped up on um, both of our websites. So ifillyourcup.com or seasonsofbirth.com.au. And so you can jump on over there and have a look at that checklist. So don't worry about furiously writing notes during the podcast. We just want you to enjoy your cup of tea or your drive or your pram walk or, or whatever that is. But in today's episode, we've got all the way up to Bubby's arrived. We're having some skin on skin. That's great. Now what happens? So it's kind of talking about the recovery side, what's going on in the hospital, and then when you return home, things to think about and things to actually prep with. So if you did miss episode 84, jump back over there. You will hear about... Um, how Emma is an amazing and she offers great support to women and families here in Tasmania, birth education around pregnancy, postpartum. She is navigating that wild ride with you (laughs) every step of the way. She is just an amazing resource of information and I absolutely love this woman so, so much. So I hope you enjoy this second part of the season. If you've got any questions or you feel like we've left something off the checklist, please let us know. We would love to hear how you made a family-centered cesarean birth for you and your family. It's something I am a huge advocate for. I had to have an elective cesarean because my mental health went out the window, shall we just say. And so I kind of tried to take control of the situation and it was an absolutely magical birth. So if that's something that you're thinking about, that you just don't think that you're going to be able to go through labour and birth and that an elective caesarean is the way for you, then all power to you. No judgment. Do not worry about what anyone else thinks. It is you and your body and your fam- family. So you do what is best for you. So I hope you love this episode. I'm so, so sure you will. It's an absolute cracker. All right, then. See you on the other end. Bye. Hello and welcome back to the Science of Motherhood with part two, Emma Watson. How are you, darling? 
Thanks for having me back. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> for all those playing at home, this is part two, which we have recorded back to back. Each of us have gone for a little wee break, cup of tea, glass <laughs> of water. I've thrown my dog uh, a little chew thing so she um, won't be barking the entire time that we're doing this podcast, which is good. But let's just do a quick recap. So, M in the last episode was talking about family-centered C-sections. We are preparing a checklist for you and your birth team to all kind of get on board and I guess work out what our birth preferences are for the possibility of that planned or unplanned C-section. So we have got from arriving at the hospital where we've already spoken about these birth preferences, fingers crossed, and we have gone into that waiting area. We've had our spinal. We've had that glorious lie down on our back <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in like nine months. Bubby has arrived. Mm-hmm. We've had a little bit of skin to skin because we've advocated for that. Now what happens, Em? What happens now? Yeah, so... From that point, a um, bit of downtime mm. for you as the woman that's just birthed your baby. Yeah. Um, so takes from that point, basically, we talked about dropping the drape for baby, that kind of stuff. Once they're born, the drape goes back up. So you don't see anything else beyond that point. And that's when sort of it's more like your OB kind of repairing the uterus to some extent. So during that time, you've still got really good analgesia. You're enjoying your baby. I think this is that beautiful point where you're surged with all of that oxytocin mm-hmm. that is giving you that kind of hopefully giving you that not warm, fuzzy, but more of kind of that down, calm mm-hmm. sensation that can come after that anticipation in the lead up to the day, to the birth, and to yeah. the baby arriving. I think it's also really important to notice that sometimes what can follow that um, is some adrenaline. Okay. That is irrelevant to all types of birth but especially it tends to be in cesarean births probably a little bit related to the medication as well okay it's not uncommon to get the jitters and the shivers and the itchies what is going Um, on there with that because i have no like mm -hmm. i've heard some people say you know i had they they'll catch it in terms of like i had such an awful experience i couldn't Mm -hmm. stop shaking and the jitters Mm -hmm really kind of got to me what's going on there and is there anything that we can do to kind of mitigate that I think there's two ways it goes um if you're having kind of that if we think that surge of adrenaline and that come down from adrenaline you get is so severe sometimes so for women that are really on that roller coaster that's where it's coming from okay it's quite literally your body's way of going I'm trying to cope like I'm yeah it's like a shock, kind again. of like a shock mechanism type thing yeah. yeah it's kind of that physical response to shock almost mm-hmm. but the medication does have a bit to do with it as well okay um so it's not uncommon at all uh for women to get a bit jittery and a bit shaky yeah and it is unfortunate that in for some women it, it is a really big part of that experience what I tend to find um, the longest it tends to hang around is about an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah. And when I say that, I don't mean you're going to be shaking off the bed the whole time. I just mean you might have a bit of like a chatter of your teeth and yeah. every now and then a bit of a shake in your hand. And it's not that you're cold. <laughs> 
So I guess that's the other thing. We're always like, okay, warm you up. And it's like, well, you might not actually, it's not because you're cold. It's a physical thing. What I tend to talk to women about is there's not a whole lot you can do, to be honest, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I wish I could fix everything, but we can't. But I tend to talk more about trying not to fight it. So someone who is trying to not shake and not shiver and fight that, it is easier to ease into it. So I guess when I look at if it is an adrenaline response, we know that oxytocin um, is the hormone that kind of creates calmness. Mm -hmm. So we want to try and increase the oxytocin and decrease the adrenaline as much as we can. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how we can boost oxytocin in that moment in time. Can I ask a really stupid question? Yeah. In a C-section, do they give you like a, a synthetic oxytocin drug? Often they give you um, carboprostin, okay, um, which is after baby's born. Okay, does that similar thing where it makes the uterus cramp down, reduces the rates of bleeding, and helps the placenta to come away? Because mm. very soon after your baby's born, the placenta is also delivered. Yeah, um, so they are giving you that, and that is another medication that's going to add to that shakiness, I believe, to some extent. Okay. I don't know the re- I'm going to say I don't know the research behind that, but mm. certainly. Uh, through all birth that we see to some extent, syntocinon, syntometrin, those kind of synthetic medications can create yeah. that more physical response as well. And do you yeah. get do you get that same synthetic oxytocin injected if you have a vaginal birth or is it only in C section? It you do after you are offered it after a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of it's called active third stage management. Yeah. But it's a different medication. It's usually a syntocinon. So it's sort of a, we're looking at the spectrum. It's sort of a little bit lower on the spectrum of dosage and things like that okay. in terms of the rate of effectiveness and that sort of side of it. Yeah. For what they give during the cesarean, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and is that because <laughs> I've got my scientist hat on, you're in trouble yeah. now, I am. But is that because, you know, in a vaginal birth, there's been like a cascade of events that have occurred for labour or induction, you know, things like that, where it's almost like your body is making that oxytocin, whereas in a C-section, it's kind of like, well, we haven't initiated that cascade of events and therefore we need to kind of increase that oxytocin level. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. So it's kind of that like, speak of it more of like a physiological event. So the body right. has, is a physiological sequence in which it will do things. Yeah. Um, and part of that is once the baby is born, um, expelling the placenta. Yeah. Cramping down afterwards to reduce the risk of like the blood loss essentially. Yeah. When we look at active management versus physiological management which is like a whole other podcast for you yeah (laughs) we're sort of looking at well you know where is intervention occurring that is interrupting that natural oxytocin release Mm. because it is that natural oxytocin release that causes the uterus to cramp down Mm -hmm. and reduces the rate of bleeding yeah okay so for cesarean you haven't had that physiological step-by-step um kind of process take place yeah so you tend not to have as much naturally produced oxytocin present at that time in birth Mm. um plus of the the increase in intervention that takes place yeah um in terms of 
you know, trauma to the uterus and things like that during a That cesarean. makes sense. Yeah. 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 So I can't remember how we even got onto this. <laughs> Welcome to Renee's podcast where we go on <laughs> tangents every I so often. Yeah. So Twisting oxytocin postpartum, I think is the most important part that kind of follows that birth of the baby. That is going to help to reduce those jitters and shivers. And, you know, we know that adrenaline and oxytocin don't particularly go hand in hand. Mm. So we can decrease some adrenaline, try not to fight the shakes. I feel like a lot of it is knowing that it's a possibility. So when it happens, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I expected that this could happen. It's really useful. Yeah. And know that it, it does end. Yeah. Um, it will stop. Can I ask another crazy question? Because this is something I experienced. I actually experienced a lot of jittery, shaking, feeling extremely cold on night three. Is that, and I, I don't know whether it was a change in my hormones, my milk was coming in or something like that. Is that something, I don't know how normal that is. But I, to the point where, like, I was lying in bed and I I know this is, I was very privileged to have this experience. We got pushed into a, not pushed in, I asked to be put into the hotel. So I birthed at Francis Perry in Melbourne and they have a relationship with the Grand Hyatt. And so we were at the hotel and, you know, middle of the night, Eva was crying, needed to have a feed. I physically couldn't get out of bed because I was like, if I open the covers, I'm going to be cold. And I actually was already starting to shake. Mm. And Grayson, I was at that point in time, I was kind of getting up, um, sitting in a chair to feed, and mm. he had to take the doona off the bed and wrap it around me mm. like I was a Michelin man mm. just so I was warm. What mm. the hell was going on there? Mm. I I'd love to be able to tell you the exact answer. It was this. Uh, can't tell you the exact answer. But I would say, like, that day, I think this kind of points really beautifully into that post-birth recovery. Yeah. It's huge. What your body has just done over the last nine, ten, however many months you've been conceiving and growing your baby, it's huge. Mm. And the come down from that, I think, is kind of a little bit of what you're talking about. So I don't know what your initial few days postpartum looks like, of course, but I think that from what I see with a lot of women, depletion is high. Yeah. But also the thought that we can push on and keep going and and within us we can just, and that's sort of, I almost feel like that's your body weight kind of saying, Slow down. Huge changes are happening. Yeah. Uh, we're about to make enough milk to feed this child. And you've also just had major surgery, huge hormonal shifts. Yeah. Like it's sleep deprivation. I, I was letting go of the endone as well. I wasn't allowed yep. to have endone. And I, okay, so let's talk about drugs. I want to talk let's about talk. drugs because yep. uh, this could be interesting because I, I sort of have quite particular thoughts about Okay. Drugs. Well, yeah, let's go. Let's deep dive onto this because so I, when I was heading down the way of an elective cesarean, I spoke Mm -hmm. to a friend who was a nurse here in Tassie Mm -hmm. actually, and Mm -hmm. she had already had two children, both by cesarean, one emergency, one elective. And I said, what do I need to know? And she Mm -hmm. said, my number one tip is don't try and be a hero. 
you need mm-hmm. to keep up with the pain medication because it's not about, she's like, if you start to feel something, you're already kind of like in this deficit where you're kind of playing catch up, if that makes okay. sense. It's like you need to stay on top of it. Don't, yeah. again, you're not going to get a medal for like, oh, I only had to take Endone for like a couple of times or, or whatever it is. So I was on a, again, this might be a checklist thing, but I, everyone knows I'm a bit OCD. I had great midwives. I think they clearly like worked out that, oh, maybe it's just from experience, but my whiteboard in my room at the hospital had like timestamps of mm-hmm. like at this time she's getting this, at this time mm-hmm. she's getting this, at this, and it was that reassurance of like, in ten minutes I'm gonna get some more endone, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was fluctuating between endone and tremadol. Yep, that was like my go-to for the first two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to me about your talk to me about the drugs. <laughs> yeah, so I it is major surgery. Yeah. Whether it's this, but also birth is major. Like, yeah. <laughs> it yes. is major in general. And especially when it comes to cesarean birth, you shouldn't be suffering. What no. I see is that if you are in that space of pain, and we look beyond that, like when we're in pain, you're already having that emotional release of, you know, am I coping? Am I struggling? This is really hard. I can't even get up to care for my baby. And that, that just that brain spiral yes. can come from that. It's yeah. huge. Like, so, bro, the actual spinal analgesia, depending on what you have, mm-hmm. takes a little while to wear off. Yeah. A couple of hours at most usually. What I would tend to say is what we do, well, so, I guess I can't speak to everyone, but what I do is when we leave that theatre, before it's even worn off, I'm giving you endone. I'm okay. recommending you take endone. And women are always like, but I don't feel anything. I'm like, yeah, but you just birthed a baby. Yes. Um, and this is the recommend, like, you know, you won't trust, regret it. Trust me on this <laughs> trust one. The process. Trust the process. Because how long does it take for endone to kick in? Is it a quick one or is it like a, like 20 minutes? Uh, I think to like, I'd probably say a good half an hour. Okay. Or so. Yeah, um, so you want to get a head start on it, right? You do, you do. And I think it's also good to know that that change in can't feel anything, can't feel anything, can't feel anything, oh, I feel a bit of a twinge, the wearing off of that spinal can be quite similar to that onset of that spinal. It can be quite a quick change. Mm. So analgesia very early, even if you're not necessarily feeling anything yet. Yeah. And then I say to women, when you start to feel a twinge, let's go. Let's yep. get on top of it. Get on the buzzer. That's what I was told. <laughs> get on the buzzer. <laughs> because exactly like your friend told you, it is so much easier to stay on top of post-operative pain in general than to fall behind and try and catch up. Um, I I'm I was so shocked how difficult it was. I had um a neck injury last year, was it? Yeah. Or the year before. And I tried to be a hero and I was like, oh, man, I just can't get on top of it. Like I I just didn't want – I'm just naturally like a person who doesn't have a lot of painkillers. Like I just don't. Yeah, yeah. And and for me it was kind of like I I don't want to be taking, you know, Nurofen every six hours Mm. and Panadol in between. But then what happened was I didn't 
and then I couldn't sleep. And then because I didn't sleep, well, we all know what happens after that. Like you just head into this spiral. And it was almost like I went, I was going to my physio and he said to me, how's everything going? And I said, well, I'm not sleeping. And he said, okay, well, that's the first thing we need to fix. Mm. Not we need to fix your neck. He's like, we need to fix the not sleeping. Mm. And it was just took someone else to give me permission to go, Renee, this is not forever. You know, you need to get on top of this pain. And it took I'm not lying. It took probably two days of like consistent taking of the Mm -hmm. Nurofen interchange with Panadol to get on top of it. And that really shocked me. Yeah. And it's that I love that my partner's going to listen to this and be like, I wish she took her own advice. (laughs) But it's that. Bye, James. (laughs) What we actually see is if we can get on top of it, stay on top of it, you actually end up using it for less time in the long run. Yes. And you wean off yes. it so much better. Like yes. it doesn't have to be, like I'm not not here to say it is comfortable and you take the meds and you don't feel anything. No, like you're no. still feeling things, you're still working through that recovery process. But just because you take medication that is prescribed and recommended doesn't mean you're any less strong or capable or yeah. It, I'm big advocate for take it, take it regularly and take the underlying stuff. So, you know, the first sort of what we tend to see is sort of the first three days will be your biggest doses of pretty high dose narcotics. So endone, tramadol, um, sometimes a bit of oxytocin. Mm-hmm. First three days is pretty common. That will hopefully keep you fairly comfortable. I also say if you're not, if it's not, then say something. Yeah, because there's other options. There's many other options, and we want to know about it. So, if it's not working, the other thing is if it's making you really drowsy or it's making you sick. Like yeah. I know I'm someone I can't take endone or morphine at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's no go. But you've got to be really open and honest about that, and don't yes. you know you've got to acknowledge it early so that a plan can be in place before you've even had your baby. A plan will be in place about yeah. what regime of medication you're going to have after. Uh huh. And then take your underlying, take your Panadol, take your ibuprofen, alternate them, keep it going, slowly wean off the hard sort of endone tramadol stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't think you're going to get up one morning and feel great and not take it anymore. Yeah, no, it doesn't wean. happen. Yeah. Slowly wean. It takes as long as it takes mm. and that's okay. Yeah. Same with if I've had women, you know, I worked a lot in continuity of care and women post-cesarean went home on day two sometimes day one you know Mm -hmm. so we're working a lot with their pain at home and they still recover really well because they're still taking those regimes really strictly yeah and not overdoing it which I think is that your face literally (laughs) 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 but you know it's beyond that okay three days later I'm still taking a fair bit of endone and I'm not that comfortable well let's get you another script and let's keep going because I've major surgery like Mm. take the medication I had a bit of a panic. I think I was, uh, we had day, we had four days in hospital and on day five we left in the morning mm-hmm. and I actually wouldn't leave until they gave me a script for Tremadol. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like panicking that I would get home and I'd be like, oh, my God. And it wasn't a case of I'm in so much pain I need Tremadol. It was the case of I don't want to be in a scenario where I do fall below that threshold 
and not being able to manage on Nurofen and Panadol alone and not have mm. access to it. So, yeah. but it was interesting because I had to get Grayson to go in and bat for me on mm. that because I was like, I'm not, I'm just not leaving. Like I, I, I mentally, I can't do it. And he was like, okay, that's fine. I'll go have a chat with them and we'll get that organized mm. um, straight up. But the other thing that I want people to know <laughs> is that, when you go, so let's say you're having endone at the hospital, if you have an opportunity to be transferred to a hotel like they do in Melbourne and they might do this in Sydney, I'm not sure, but if you do, you don't have access to endone at the hotel mm. because they there's obviously some sort of legislation around that level of narcotics that you can have tremadol but you can't have endone. So just get comfortable with that because that was kind of sprung on me at the last minute because I was like, this endone stuff's like me and my best friend. <laughs> and and my midwife said to me, now, just so you know, when you leave, you can't have any more endone. And I was like, you've got to be joking me. It just blows my mind. It, like, like you blowing my mind. Like the amount of analgesia I was given for knee surgery. Yeah. I didn't even birth a whole ass baby and bring them <laughs> home there for them. Like, and yet there's this expectation that you have a cesarean birth and then you're just going to take some Panadol and you're like, yeah. no, for yourselves. Like, yeah. Oh, that just yeah. blows my mind. Like yeah. I understand, you know, obviously we use these medications really safely, but it's actually going to help your recovery. Getting I know. Up and sooner. So let's go back to like postpartum recovery, okay? So let's go right back yeah. there. Yeah. So you've had your baby, you arrive back on the ward, you're resting with your baby. Most hospitals, depending on the time your baby was born, will sort of say rest in bed, like won't get you up for a shower or anything like that until the next morning. Yes, Absolutely. But what we know with that is that, you know, that's a good time to get you up and get you moving. It's mm -hmm. actually going to help towards that recovery. A little bit of movement is useful. A couple of tips to go along with that. Make sure you always sort of take that medication about at least half an hour before you're thinking you're going to hop up for a shower or do something. Yes. So you've got it on board. Yeah. Um, have support people there with you during that process, not only so that they can be with baby, but they can be with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because sometimes it is like go slowly, rolling a towel, using a towel to actually support and hold your tummy mm. when you first get up and mobilise or when you're going to cough or anything like that in those early days post-cesarean can just help a little bit with comfort. Yeah. And I think that's where sort of postpartum recovery garments and things come into it as well. It's that feeling of support and hold that those can provide. Yeah. Um, it's really useful. On that point, though, Em, I have to say those those shorts, me and those shorts did not go together very well. And the reason for it, and I think if I had my time again, I would just get like one of those Velcro belly yeah. band things because those shorts, and I, I've said this previously on the podcast, felt like I was Ian Thorpe getting into um, the Olympic swimming um, outfits. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that panicked me, and I think we need to touch on this next, mm -hmm. is the first poo, okay? Because I, yeah. you know, obviously endone, tremadol, all that good stuff mm -hmm. clogs you up a bit. Yeah. And so they had me drinking, I don't even know what it was. It like was like a, close, it, like it, a it was like, yeah, it was like a sa white sachet of white oh, sachet. It was a, 
sachet yep. with white stuff in it. And mm-hmm. my midwife was so lovely. She bought cold, cold water. She's like, okay, we're going to mix it real quick. Here's a straw. Once you start drinking, just keep going. Just just smash that stuff down. And I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> I felt like it was That's kind of like. bottom shot, get it in. Yeah. I'm watching the end of bed like, go, 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 go. go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's to help things move along. But those shorts, I panicked because I was like, oh, my God, what if I need to go to the toilet really quickly mm-hmm. after I'm having all these, like, laxative things? And what if I can't get the shorts off quick enough? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the thing with postpartum garments is comfort, A, yes. and timing a little bit. Yes. Like I think be kind to your body in that initial postpartum period, and I don't really encourage anyone to go and jump straight into a pair of those shorts Within the first almost a week, like I know there's stuff that says they're beneficial, but I'm like. There are celebrities out there who are telling you to pop them straight on after birth and we can can just say that personally it did work for me. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's going to feel differently. Yeah. So that we've talked a bit about that concoction of medications, keeping on top of it rather than paying catch up. The other one is also keeping on top of your bowels. Doing the first poo. So you've been through surgery your digestive system slows down naturally around that time of birth whether you have a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth mm-hmm. so we know to an extent it's kind of like you're probably going to need some medication yep or at least you're going to it was definitely after cesarean birth yes mm. walk to your provider most will provide it but sometimes it gets missed and it's a massive thing to miss so you know ask what am i taking for my bowels to keep them moving yeah and keep taking it Yes. That Another was- thing being, when you feel the urge to go to the toilet, go to the toilet. Don't yeah. hold on to it. Any type of birth, that's your moment. When you feel ready, just go and sit on the toilet. I have to say that breath work actually really helped me with my first poo. Mm. This is so TMI and I can't believe I'm, like, actually saying this. But I would sing because that would actually help me with my breath work and also for me to just relax on the toilet, I think. But I did do that thing where I had... I had the footstool thing in front of me, so, like, knees kind of raised up. And I also found that um, having a pillow across, you know, my tummy was that extra support. And I also got told, and I love your opinion on this, it's like don't don't kind of like actively push, if you know what I mean. Like don't really bear down on it. It's like we've given enough laxatives that like things sh- should be moving at the station, you know. And that's where we tend to say like when you feel the urge, that's when you go because what we yeah. know is that's when it's you're not going to have to really bear down to make yeah. it happen because that's when your body says the triggers are all there for it. Yeah. Everything you've mentioned, I loved it when I first started teaching. The feedback I got was like, Breathwork was amazing for the first poo. And I was like, yes. okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is. It is. It's, there's just something about it that, that really gets it going. But I have to ask you, and I don't know, this is like, again, one of those random questions, but again, for me, it was day three and I still hadn't done a poo. Mm-hmm. And my wife came in and said, how are we going on that front? And I said, there's nothing. And there's probably two, there's a few things that I wanted to raise on that. One is my diet. I probably wasn't eating fiber-rich things. And much at all, possibly. Yeah, well, so this is the thing because I I just opted for like poached eggs and bread and salami and like all that kind of stuff, which 
in hindsight was exactly what I wanted because I hadn't been able to eat all of that. Not I wasn't able to. I chose not to. We know that there's mm. not a lot of evidence behind it. But anyway, but interestingly, I remember distinctly I ordered like a soup, a noodle, like a wonton noodle soup or something and with bone broth and that afternoon I went. But the other thing was the, the midwife gave me this cocktail <laughs> of medication. It was a tiny little pill. Like it was almost like, oh, I'm just trying to think, like it was so tiny, it was so round. And then she gave me, it looked like cough medicine, mm. but it wasn't. Do you know what I'm talking about? What is, because yeah. she said to me, how are you going? I said, nothing. She goes, have you had the cocktail though? And I was like, what? She's like, have you had that cocktail? And oh I was God. like, no. And I was like, she was like, I'll be back in a second. And so she went and got it. And I'm not joking, 30 minutes later, yeah you know I wonder what like the 10 the go-tos we tend to do is like a lactulose which is like a little bit of syrup you normally take about 20 mils I reckon Movicol. that's what it was because it was like a syrup yeah yeah Movicol is the powder stuff yeah um and then the tablet would be like a cloxal pair those all together it'll come happy days <laughs> <laughs> either that or just eat a lot of stewed pears and prunes yep and like all of the fiber rich stuff the other one is water you need to be drinking a lot of water i know we go on about it but the amount that your body has used to birth your baby to grow your baby to feed your baby to recover in this early postpartum period and then to like actually get through the digestive system to help things keep moving and soften is huge so water is a big one in that space as well yeah. Okay. Let's put that on the checklist. So support person, always make sure that they have their water bottle filled to the brim. Bingo. Yeah. Love that. And I think when it comes time to that first bathroom trip as well, it's also that bit of reassurance that there's someone with baby. And I know that's not yes. always possible, but if you're going to the bathroom and you're already like, I can hear my baby crying in the background, like what's my partner doing? Yes. It's not going to come. <laughs> I have, to, I have to agree that because it, it is that classic case of like your brain is too busy thinking about other things. And I think that's why when I started singing, because I was like focusing on my breath and my mm. terrible singing, <laughs> that I was kind of like in that moment, mm. you know, and also we know from the research that singing or humming stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system because it stimulates your vagus nerve. Bingo. So you gotta, you gotta get, as you say from the beginning, it's all about the environment. You gotta make sure that the environment <laughs> is right. And then the poo will come. It'll come. <laughs> the baby will come. The poo will come. <laughs> Whatever you gotta do, it'll happen. <laughs> I love that. Hey, can we switch gears? Can we talk <laughs> about the actual wound? Because mm. I had I had stitches, mm-hmm. but I also know that there's like a glue as well that some people, I mean, I know back six years ago people were experimenting with it, let's say, mm. because there was another woman who went to the hotel at the same time I did and we went to like, you know, we would meet up in the in the nurse's station and be feeding our babies and like whatever and I was talking to her and she had a glue on her wound Mm -hmm. 
Do you know yeah. much about like all of this kind of stuff? And and yes. also like wound care as well. Yeah. So basically the closure of the wound is very dependent on obstetrician yeah. and preference. I more commonly see stitches, remembering that there's layers as well. So yeah. that's why it takes a while in that post-birth period before you leave the operating theatre is because every single layer has its own like process of coming back together. So all of that's taking place. The skin, I most commonly see stitches. I do know that Bondi glue can be used. Essentially what will happen is whatever way it's closed, a dressing will be put over the top and that dressing is usually left on for about sort of the, my experience is about seven to ten days. Yeah. And then once that, and it's waterproof, hopefully it doesn't need changing. Sometimes it does if you've had a bit of bleeding immediately post the surgery, but we'll take care of all that for you. Most commonly, it doesn't get touched until seven to 10 days. And I think it's always a bit of a surprise when women feel ready to take that dressing off to mm. see what's actually underneath and how quickly that that skin heals. Yeah. So all of those stitches are dissolvable. So you don't have to do anything specific with them. Once it does come off, it's just a matter of keeping it clean. There's a bit of mix of preferences in terms of Sort of a big one is underwear, comfortable underwear. Oh, yes. Getting underwear that comes up above your hips. Mm-hmm. Well, not above you, like not going full granny pennies, but like. Yeah. If, they, if you want to, like I'm yeah. here for it. <laughs> but, you know, it just doesn't sit on that bikini line because yes. that's where your cesarean scar sits. So um, sort of having those little things in the back of the mind, if you are having a cesarean birth, is just going to help along the way. Um, in terms of the specifics for recovery post that, it's just a matter of keeping it clean and dry. Mm-hmm. Some things you can expect is often you have one side of your cesarean that is a bit more tender, stingy, you might have sharp sensations there. Oh. Is often the side that the surgeon starts on. What? Um, Why? What's going so on there? You've just blown get... my mind. I'm like, hold on <laughs> a minute. Hold on so a minute. It's to be like more aggravated in that area i guess more pulling more sort of that okay. sort of stuff. yeah so it does tend to be the side that the surgeon was standing on that you might notice more of that stinging sensation burning sharpness okay if you do tend to have one but then i think a lot of it comes down to that getting familiar with it by touch yeah so desensitizing the area because post any surgery where there's been a decent incision it is sensitive so things like looking at acupuncture or acuneedling over the scar, um, massage of the scar tissue. Like there's a lot of that stuff you can do it, not so much with the needles, but certainly scar tissue massage and stuff you can be doing from home quite early that is really going to optimise your relationship with that scar as well, but also just that sort of tenderness or sensation changes and those kind of things. So, you know, I sort of would encourage women to get in and do a bit of that stuff when they feel ready um, within those first sort of few weeks. I was going to say, so how early, like, do you have to wait for the wound to be completely healed in order to start doing like that, you know, acupuncture or acupressure or massage and things like that? Yeah, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head how many weeks it is post cesarean, but we do want it to be healed. Yeah. And certainly with massage and things, you know, you don't want any still open areas of the wound when you're using creams and oils. So you do want it to be, you know, fairly well healed in that sense. Yeah. So usually a, a few weeks. Yeah. Um, 
at least until you start sort of really getting in and doing a bit of that stuff. I have to say I was a huge scaredy cat to take mm-hmm. my dressing off. Like I, oh, yeah. it's interesting how you were saying, you know, for some women it's that, oh, my God, you know, finally taking it off. I was just, I don't know what it was. Like I was just so scared to see. I was like, oh, my God, what's it going to look like? And But I think, you know, I'm six years postpartum. You can hardly see it. It's actually so small. Like, like, (laughs) But your skin is so stretched, you know, when when you're pregnant. And so, Mm. you know, the physics makes sense. But, yes, it is that concept. That was actually one of the biggest, I think, psychological warfare, I call it, that I had to get over in terms of it's okay, Renee, you know, your intestines are not going to fall out of your stomach. Mm. Like just kind of getting over that. And And that's where I feel like where we talked a bit about that rolled towel or the pillow. Yes. That's kind of what's that there. That's that's there for that sensation. 100%. What is happening and yeah. and I love the fact that you said, you know, when you finally get out of bed, make sure that there's other people there. Like I had to, it's interesting, I always said to Grayson our game plan was that, um, you know, he would come and shower me the first time that I finally got out of bed. But I was so hell-bent. I was like, no, you need to stay with Eva. And mm. I called my midwife and I said, can, you know, can you shower me? And, of course, she was like, yeah, cool, mate, no problems. Mm-hmm. Um Oh my God, that first shower. <laughs> it's that combination of relief to to finally be showered, but also like I felt like I was a newborn giraffe, like mm. walking for the first time. It's so strange. It's that first big thing you do after you have your baby. Yes. Like whatever way you have your baby, it's the first thing you do. I know. And <laughs> I have to say, and like I've heard so many people say this to me over and over again, but it's this classic thing where you still bleed, you know, after a cesarean birth. And I remember like bleeding and I don't know why I am. Why the hell do they do white towels in a hospital? Like it's just so beyond me. But I remember apologising, going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I've got blood on the towel. And just looked at me and she's like, it's okay. Like, it's totally fine. We're not going to make you pay for it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. type of thing. Like, seriously, ladies, just embrace it. Um, and it was so lovely because I still had the um that bright pink antiseptic all on me. And she's like, yeah. come on, come in here and, like, you know, I'll scrub that off. Otherwise, you're going to be fluoro pink for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's all those little things that just... Yeah, you kind of embrace as part of that experience, but until yeah. we start talking about it, you don't even realise that, you know, yeah, you you will have postpartum bleeding post-cesarean yeah. birth. And, um, you know, if you have gone into labour and you're labouring but your choice is a cesarean birth, you will still go and have that cesarean birth, but there might be recommendations of vaginal prep, you know, where they'll sterilise the vagina or you know, post, they'll clean out any, you know, check it to make sure there's no ongoing bleeding from the vagina and, you know, all those kind of things that you just oh, okay. expecting that kind of happen post and it's just part of that, you know, clear out any clots that might need to come. And That's um, interesting. So hold on, let's backstrap for a second. So if you go into birth, mm-hmm. if you go into birth, Renee, pull yourself together. If you go into labour, okay, but you 
had elected to have a cesarean, yeah, they will. So is it? It's it's routine to kind of check that you don't have any clots or anything like that. Is that right? Super, yeah. So it's super dependent. So if you, it's more so we see it if you have laboured and then had an unplanned cesarean birth. So the cervix gotcha. is dilated. Uh-huh. So therefore, you're still kind of getting that vaginal bleeding yeah and same with if it hasn't like it's only partially dilated things like that all those clots are things that can stop the uterus cramping down so they do clear them vaginally if they need to yeah oh i did not know that okay i was today today years old when i found out about that okay i love that oh my god i can't believe we're almost like again to the end of this hour let's okay let's talk about so you're in recovery obviously hopefully you're getting lots of skin to skin with Bubby and feeding and things like that. And we're keeping on top of the pain medication. Uh When you get discharged, which is obviously going to be very dependent on whatever hospital it is and your choices and all that kind of stuff. What are the types of things that we should be doing or not doing when we get home? Yeah. I love that concept of whatever you need to grow your baby, you now need to grow your family. So it's like create that womb-like environment when you go home. So post-cesarean birth, it's not recommended that you lift anything heavier than your baby, but then you put your baby in the capsule and then it's like, well, now what do I do? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's that tricky. Those capsules like- <laughs> are way too heavy. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's caution. You approach with caution. And I think you approach a lot with comfort, okay? Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing something, what feels comfortable at this point in time? I really like the idea of, like, yes, I talked about getting up and moving early being really good for recovery, mm-hmm. but I don't mean you get up and you go out and you run a marathon every single day. No. Like, I mean, you're just getting up out of bed each day to do something, but then yeah. you're returning to bed to rest or you're returning to the couch to rest. Thinking of, like, either birth, you know, if you hurt your ankle and it's swollen, you're going to rest it and you're going to elevate it to keep the swelling and things down. You can't elevate your abdomen or your vagina but you can rest you know semi-recumbent and let things just settle mm-hmm. same with things like your pelvic floor has mm-hmm. taken a battering possibly during the whole process of pregnancy and birth yeah just resting that and not being on your feet constantly it's going to yeah. make a massive difference yeah so i really say sort of those first weeks it's great that womb-like environment what you need to grow your baby or what your baby needs to grow you now need to grow your family so rest support like nutrient dense food everyone's probably heard me say like you can't live off big macs um, <laughs> the body needs <laughs> my thing is you can't live off to- toast in tim tams that was my diet <laughs> we're in uber eats now so it's, it's big nice but you know it's um <laughs> no so it's that whole um yeah it's it's you actually need you're depleted like the same as if you did go and run a marathon you're depleted afterwards you have to come back and i don't know replete replenish yeah. Yeah. yourself to that absolutely extent. that is so important it's bonding into skin nourishment like nurturing those are just all the things that come to mind when I'm talking to women about that postpartum experience and I fully recognize that that's going to look different for every single woman and family dependent on other responsibilities and things yeah but to some extent that rest that be kind to yourself and know that you are healing and recovering 
So even if you spend the whole day in bed just holding your baby, that is you've achieved a lot. You've achieved huge amounts for your day. So, you know, all those little things sort of come into play because we don't, yeah, I think I haven't felt it after my, I haven't, you know, felt it after my own surgery that I got up the next day and I was like, right, let's go, let's get, let's get, get you done. Like, and Mm. I was like, no, no. And I can imagine that there's a lot of women out there that feel the same way. Yes. And this is kind of that, you know, you have to yourself allow yourself. It doesn't matter if we keep knocking at you and saying rest, 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 rest. It's not until you yourself give yourself permission yeah. to actually acknowledge the journey you've just taken that you really are going to appreciate and let yourself have that that space in that postpartum period. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Em. I think it also comes back to like self self-worth of yeah. like I'm worth enough to rest and understand and listen to my body that this has been a huge marathon mm. and, you know, as you said, and I I say this to, you know, all of our potential clients, clients, mamas, anyone who will listen, if someone told you that you were about to run, a, you know, a New York City marathon and you ran it, do you honestly think the following day that you would get up and be business as usual? Mm. Like you absolutely wouldn't because you trained your body for so long and then you run that marathon and your body is so depleted, it's sore, your muscles need to rest, mm. or like your mental health, like that's a huge arduous task to go through. There is no one in this world who would expect you to be business as usual the next day after a running marathon. So why do we expect mothers to just pick up where they left off? Like it just doesn't doesn't compute to me. And it is about self-worth. It's about advocating. It's about understanding you know, what your rights are and having your village around you get on board. Mm. I think that's one of the biggest things because mm. when we give permission to our mums to just actually support themselves, then to me it all kind of just falls into place. And I really acknowledge that all of this stuff takes place before pregnancy. Yes. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's not an instant switch. You flick once you have your baby and you're like, okay, now all of like. No, it's applicable to that first trimester. It's applicable to every single step along that journey. And I think if we can sort of support women into that space, acknowledging that, yeah, it will make a huge difference to those experiences that we're having, no matter the way you birth your baby. Yeah, 100%. Oh, here we are. End of part two. I'm not going to do another rapid fire, M, because we've yes. already been through that. And I still don't know what's on my uh, bedside, bedside table. table. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> I won't hold it against you, but I will get you to repeat where people can find you. People would have heard from the introduction that you are a calm birth instructor, midwife, all those lovely mother lover things. <laughs> so where can we find you to learn more about the resources and then also we will be making sure that we will put this comprehensive checklist up. For yes. Well. Yes. So stephensabirth.com.au is where you can find more about what I have to offer and all of those other links to things that we're going to pop up there. Mm-hmm. And at seasonsofbirth underscore is where you will find just a lot of education and support and love and whatever I can give you really. So 
that is where you will find those. And I just really want to say that I, and I know we probably say this all the time, but I'm here for you. If you are someone out there who's going through the feelings and navigating this journey, just know that, you know, I'm more than happy to be able to pop up in my messages and just say, hey, this is where I'm at. You know, I love providing whatever support I can to whoever I can. So don't be afraid. And I know you're probably quite similar. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid to reach out to us. Like, yeah. What we're here for. (laughs) Exactly. And if we can't help you with the exact question that you have, then we most likely will be able to know someone who can. And that's one of the wonderful benefits of creating the village that we have um, Mm -hmm. here in Tasmania and and beyond, which is so, so lovely. But thank you so much for (laughs) coming on and joining me and in this impromptu double session of... of our family-centered cesarean it as soon as we started talking i was like this is not all going to get done in one (laughs) (laughs) no way which i actually yeah i think i've got a couple of other topics coming up that i have booked people in for two-part series because Uh i think we've just got to a point now where we have to just deep dive on certain topics and it warrants it. And I think, you know, the more information out there, the better for all of our families. Exactly. So thanks, Em. Amazing. I'm sure I'll see you around town. You know, definitely. In Tasmania, (laughs) you can't walk down the street without seeing six people that you know. Exactly. That's what. <laughs> and we will say until next time, everybody. Thank you. If anyone's got any questions, please feel free to DM Emma or myself and we will endeavor to answer those questions. Definitely. Amazing. Thanks. If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services including our postpartum in-home care and our fill your freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.